0: Good morning, happy Easter, everybody looks lovely this morning, everybody looks good. Hey, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 14 through 41, Um, before we get to Acts chapter 2, um, this, this, this past Friday, you know that song we just sang, you have no rival you have no equal, right? God, you have no rival. God, you have no equal. Uh, this past Friday, was visiting a friend in the hospital and uh, it's a good friend of mine. I um, have a lot of affections uh, for this friend and <clears throat> the nurses were changing shifts. Um, and so as... I was in there, the nurses were changing shifts, and the customary thing is that one nurse will read to the other nurse the report or the summary, uh, give the medical history of what has happened with this individual in the past and why this individual is currently in here and, and, and what has happened you know, to this individual as they have been in the hospital And so I'm sitting in there as the nurse is reading this report uh, to the other nurse, and um, it was a five, six-minute long rehearsal, that the rap sheet or the medical history was that long, um, the complications were that large. This individual has been in the hospital for, uh, for about a week now, and there have been several things that have happened since being in the hospital for the week, and so it was a long list of things, and one could identify with, hey this is who I am. As you sit up in the hospital or as you find yourself in a situation in life, in your personal life, it's easy for us to identify with whatever situation is going on with us. This is who I am. These conditions, this is who I am. This is what marks me. It would be easy for us to go, yeah, this is just who I am now. But that's not who this individual is. The rap sheet or the medical history is not who this individual is. This individual's soul has been one. And so when that song we sing, you know, the song we sang that you have no rival, you have no equal, sickness is not a rival or an equal of God. Suffering is not a rival or an equal of God. Whatever situation is going on in your life right now is no rival, is no equal to the power of God. It does not have eternal consequences. It doesn't replace the hope that you have in Christ, it doesn't eliminate the security we have from the promises of God. There is no rival, there is no equal. To God. That's why this man can sit in the hospital bed and it be well with his soul. That's why he can sit there and over and over and over again say, God is so gracious to me. Because there is no rival. There's no equal to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, this is, uh, as Megan was uh, alluding to earlier in the welcome, this is a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment in the history of salvation, in the history for where we find ourselves at this morning. What had just happened is Jesus was just crucified, and three days later, he was resurrected from the grave. And then he visits his disciples and other people, after being resurrected from the grave. And he leaves them, you know, with the Great Commission. You know, he leaves them with promises that, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my departing to be with the Father again. And the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will empower you, the Holy Spirit will convict you and guide you and comfort you and lead you into righteousness. It'll show you the paths of life and it will sustain you. The Holy Spirit is this deposit. It is the guarantee. The Holy Spirit living in you is the guarantee that I will see you in eternity in heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you so that you can be my witnesses. Jesus is saying, my witnesses throughout Judea and the rest of the world. And so he tells his disciples after he, after he was raised from the dead, he tells his disciples, hey, stay here in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go be with the Father. Stay right here until I send the Holy Spirit. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 2. Because, and and why I say this is such a pivotal moment, obviously the the, the crucifixion and the resurrection has occurred and Jesus has uh, visited his disciples. And then after what we're about to read, this is Peter's sermon, the first sermon after the resurrection of Jesus, after this sermon, you have the explosion of the church and which changes the world. You have the explosion of Christianity. You have the resurrection is the reason why you sit in the bleachers and sit in the chairs this morning. This is a pivotal moment. What Peter, uh, uh, what happens here with the 11 disciples and then what Peter says to the Jewish people is pivotal. And it's an invitation as Megan alluded to. It's an invitation. Peter is inviting these people into something and this invitation is scandalous. This invitation doesn't make any sense. So let's look at what Peter's talking about here. His first sermon, was back up just real quick to Acts chapter 2. They were all, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. See, what had happened is that just as Jesus had promised, they wait in Jerusalem till I send my Holy Spirit down and then you will go and be witnesses throughout all of uh, the land. This, they're gathered in this room and a mighty rushing wind from heaven came and the room and the house was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they began speaking in other languages, and here's, what, what, what do you mean they began speaking other languages? What is, what, what is that saying? Well, you see the Jewish people that are here in Jerusalem start coming towards the disciples. They hear the multitude of their sounds and voices and languages, and they start coming close. And when they come close, these Jewish people from different territories with different languages start, start to hear their own native language. And they're like, how can this be? How, how, how do they know? How are they speaking these native languages? And so some are marveling and are awestruck at what they're doing. And some begin to mock the 11 disciples who the Holy Spirit just indwelled. Start to mock them and say they're drunk. These guys are drunk. These cats are drunk. So this is where we pick up. This is where Peter comes in the picture and gives his sermon verse 14 but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and give ear to my words give ear to my words this is what Peter is saying hey it's beneficial it's advantageous you give ear to what I'm about to say For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock. But this is what uttered through the prophet Joel. What Peter is about to say through quoting the prophet Joel is to show that, hey, these guys are not drunk. They're actually, this is a fulfillment of what God promised would happen, that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. And so what you're hearing, what these guys are saying is evidence of this fulfilled promise that God has sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us. And so the prophet Joel says in 17, "'In the last days it shall be,' that God declares, "'that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, "'and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, "'and your young men shall see visions, "'and your old men shall dream dreams.'" And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 20, before the day of the Lord comes, the Jewish people have been anticipating this day to come for a long time where God would intervene on their behalf and on their life. They have been anticipating, waiting for this day of the Lord to come when God would restore to them the honor And the promises that he made to them in the Old Testament would liberate them from Roman oppression. They anticipated that God would intervene in this way, waiting for this day to come. And Peter is saying, hey, don't miss it. This day has come. The kingdom that you're waiting for, that God initiates and builds up with you again, this day has come. The kingdom is being established. We sang, you know, the lyrics of that song, you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought it down. The kingdom is being established is what Peter was saying. God has intervened by the way of his son, Jesus Christ, and has sent his Holy Spirit upon all of us. The kingdom has been established. It has been ushered in. In verse 21, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My kingdom is here. It is here. What you have been waiting for, it is here. They missed it. We're gonna see how they missed it. And this is why I say it's a scandalous invitation before I move forward. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's making, making this invitation, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Your soul will be saved. Here's why that invitation that Peter makes is scandalous because here's what the Jews have just done. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This man sent by God, attested by God. Performed mighty signs, wonders, and works by the power of God. This man, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This man who performed these things, who was sent by God, was delivered up to be crucified on the cross as a definite plan of God for your sin, is what Peter says. But also by your hands, is what he tells the Jews. Your hands have crucified him. Your, his blood is on your hands. The blood of Christ is on our hands as well. John one twenty nine. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world, that includes our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is on our hands. That's why this invitation doesn't make any sense, this invitation being scandalous as it is. We we, we, we are so shallow sometimes in life where we won't send out a birthday invitation to somebody we got beef with. And here's God extending an invitation for eternity, sending an invitation for forgiveness to people who have just crucified his son. Verse 24, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. We crucified Jesus Christ. God raised them up three days later, signifying the victory over sin, death. Because what happens is that as you practice sin, as you live in sin, sin grips you. Sin enslaves you. And the Bible is clear in that the wages of sin is death. the resurrection of jesus christ loosens the pangs of death eliminates death for those who receive the invitation of jesus christ and then he quotes david king david verse 25 for david says concerning him i saw the lord always before me for he is at my right hand that i may be that i may not be shaken Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. If you jump down to verse 31, it clarifies what Peter's quoting there. In verse 31 it says, he foresaw, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. David, Old Testament King David, foresaw the resurrection of Jesus Christ in which allowed him to say, he is at my right. I see him always before me. He was, not, uh, he was not forsaken or abandoned to Hades. The Holy One did not see corruption, but was raised from the grave three days later. Therefore, his presence is here near and with me. The resurrection is not a distant historical fact, but his presence is a real reality this morning in the room. That's why David says in 28, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that he has cut off the chains of sin which lead to death in your life. And it means that he is present and near. He has not abandoned your soul because he has taken your place on the cross and he has taken your place in visiting Hades because of your sin. And because he could not be held by your sin, he could not be held by death, could not be held by the powers of hell, neither are you in him. You are free, released in Jesus Christ of the consequences of our sin because he has forgiven us. He has taken our place on the cross. He went first. He paid it all. He visited so we didn't have to visit. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, aka Jesus being raised from the dead, ascends, is exalted into heaven at the right hand of the Father, where the Father says now, hey, sit here and you are Lord and watch as I make all of your enemies your footstool. You are Lord. Lord. Those that accept the invitation, acknowledge and submit to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. The very words of God breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This word, that word, when we accept the invitation, we let that word be Lord over our life. Jesus has been exalted to this place of lordship. And I think that's why my friend in the hospital can say it's well. Because when he makes, because he has made Scripture his authority. Which means whatever scripture says goes. It means what scripture says is my filter. And so when David here says, He has not abandoned my soul, but I always see him before me, he is at my right hand. So can my friend in the hospital say, He is before me, he will always be there. He has not abandoned my soul, he has won my soul. See when scripture becomes authority you have a lot more sure-footed promises in your life. You have a lot more encouragement to hang on to. Because God is timeless and he never changes and the promises he makes never change. His nature never changes. You have you, you have promises to stand upon. And the resurrection promises that in Him, in believing this invitation, your soul will be kept. Your soul will be won. Verse thirty six: Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom He crucified. Look at verse thirty seven. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When the Jews heard this, they were cut to the heart. You can imagine them listening to Peter going, uh-oh, in this posture of, did we really? Is that, is it, did we really miss it? Did we miss it that bad? It says they were pierced to the heart. Hebrews 4.12 it says the, the, the God's word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. They were pierced to the heart by the words of Peter because the words of God do that to us. They convict us and pierce us. They just heard this message and they were pierced. They were convicted. And therefore they asked Peter, what do we do? They realized that God had intervened. The anticipation that they had been waiting on, God had intervened. It reminds me of a time I told this illustration in our first service. The Jews, I can imagine as the Jews are listening to to Peter explain this, explain the gospel message and how they had crucified him. I was 12 years old out in the street playing catch with my brother and another friend. And I told this illustration first service. And then I got in the hallway and my brother's like, that's not how it went. I'm like, shut up. Yes, it is. This is my story. That's how it went. All right. You have bad memory. Okay. I'm going to tell it the same way next service. And you can't do anything about it because you're not even here. All right. (laughs) We're in the street playing catch and across the street, there's a light pole. And uh, after we got done playing catch, um, I, I, I told a couple of the friends, a couple of my friends, I bet I can take this baseball and knock out that, that, that light there on the light pole. Do it, you know, one of those things. Um, and so I chucked the baseball up there and, and it shattered the light and the glass comes down and it's, you know, on the street. And so we all take off running. And uh, little did I know one of the neighbors who saw us uh, saw me do this. And so while I was going you know, down, down the street at my friend's house trying to let some time pass, the neighbor uh, knocks on our door and has a conversation with my father, lets my father know what his renegade son had done. And and, and so I get a call um, from my dad's voice. Uh, he was standing in the driveway. I was at my friend's house down the street and he yells all the way across the neighborhood, Zach! Zach! I know when I hear that, it's time to come home, all right? And so I come home, and, and, and my dad is, has this expression on his face that um, I got often and, and won't ever forget, but it was, it was just, you know, an expression of, you've ever been in this place of where you look at your parents, and they got this uh, face of disappointment going on. That's what, that's, that's what it was, and he was a big man, and I'm 12, and, and I'm like, uh, I messed up, didn't I? You know, because he was walking me through, this is what you did. This is why it's not okay. This is why you can't do these things. These are the consequences of this. You can't do this. And I can imagine that's what the Jews felt like. You know, or they're in this posture of being told by Peter, this is what has been done. This is what you've done. But the good thing for them is the consequences of their past and what they'd done. Peter hands up an invitation and said, God wants your soul. God wants your soul still. God wants to forgive you. God wants to lavish his love on you. Whereas I had to sweep the glass out of the street. That was my consequence. This invitation is so Beautiful. They were cut to the heart. They were penetrated. Are you penetrated by the gospel message? Do you realize that the blood is on your hands? Does it compel you? Does it bring you to a place of gratitude? Does it move you? Does it make you want to worship? Does it make you ask questions about if this is true? Who am I? What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this message? Peter answers, what am I supposed to do with this? As they ask him, what shall we do, Peter? Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent to go back on your way of thinking, to go back on your way of acting and doing. It's renewal of what you think and a renewal of what you do, therefore. Repent. Flee from your old ways of thinking. Flee from your old ways of acting. Because the gospel message lays out for all of us, like 28, the gospel message makes known to us the paths of life. The gospel message makes known to us the paths of life. And so Peter says, repent, leave behind the old path because you have a new path that has been carved out for you in the gospel. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. To be baptized is this symbolic act Nothing, there is no sanctifying work that is done in the baptism. You don't receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through baptism, but it's this symbolic act of your death and your resurrection, just as Jesus Christ laid down his life to take it up again. You are laying down your old life. I'm repenting, moving away from. I'm laying down my old life. And then, as you come up out of the water, I'm receiving new life in Jesus Christ. He is Lord, authority over me. The old has gone, the new has come. Peter says, Repent, be baptized. Verse 39 For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The promise is for you. The promise is for you. Peter says, repent and believe. Later he says, hey, I'm gonna continue to exhort you, save yourself from this crooked generation. Save yourself from this crooked generation and repent and believe. That's Peter's call. And look at the end 3,000 souls were added that day. There's the explosion of the church. Repent. Be baptized. Because the invitation that Jesus Christ is extending to you is I want to save your soul. I want to save your soul. That's why I've come. That's why I went to the cross on your behalf. That's why I rose from the grave three days later. It's to keep you, to redeem you, to transform you. Will you follow me? Will you accept the invitation? The band's going to come back up. And we're going to worship again. And we're going to reflect upon the work of Jesus Christ, this great invitation, the one who's after your soul. And so I I would encourage you this morning, if you are in a place where you find yourself in a place like the Jews in this story here who are pierced to the heart, who see and recognize hey, my sin is responsible for the death of Jesus Christ and yet he offers this gift of forgiveness, this gift of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself in that place, I wanna say the same thing to you that Peter says. Repent and be baptized. And you have the opportunity to do that. We're gonna have a baptism service next Sunday. We have an opportunity to be baptized in which you, 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 you share in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in front of everybody saying, this is my authority. And I'm grateful for what he's done for me and I will follow him and his promises will keep me. And so if that's you this morning, To my left and to the right, there are tables where you can write your name down and your number. And I would love to call you this week and to meet up with you and to talk to you about what this is, or talk to you about what what was that that I was feeling? Or hey, can you go into more detail about what does this mean? What is following Christ, trusting Christ, what does that mean? my life I want to have that talk with you so if the Holy Spirit has convicted you of that way there's cards here and cards here and and also after the service I'll be right here and I would love to have a conversation with you would love to have that conversation with you Because the consequences here, David says, therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul. Receiving the invitation is to let Christ keep your soul. Not be abandoned. Let's pray, God. We're thankful. That in you, we can stand in a place regardless of what situation we've got going on in our life or what difficulty we have going on or what ailments, illnesses, sickness, suffering, doesn't matter. We can stand in the midst of all of that and go, it's well with my soul because you've won it. And you've won it through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That's the invitation you've extended to us. And so we stand here in great assurance. We stand here overwhelmed. We stand here asking questions like, why God? You call us to come in close. You call us to accept the invitation. because you loved us as we stood before you with blood on our hands. And so God, as you blew through that house that changed the history forever, As your spirit blew through there and Peter spoke with boldness, God, blow through here this morning to change somebody's life forever, for the rest of history and eternity forevermore. Blow through this place. God, we thank you. We love you. Amen.